2: AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with Location Telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now.
3: When you
0: buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning.
3: Six.
4: Thank you very much. you welcome. Thank you, me you, Honor. I'm back to speak.
0: I sit in court and watch Anthony Rauta a lot.
4: No, because I denied the uh, Beretta, so.
0: This is the tape from that first time I saw him, when he threw himself up against the walls of his plexiglass cage, shouting at the judge, his own lawyer, the bailiff. The world.
5: I don't give a shit, buddy. I don't give a shit. I want to speak.
2: You don't have a right to speak. I'm done as fuck to speak, but you Speak through your attorney. No, I'm not going to speak. to it. I'm not going to cooperate with the public defender's office anymore. So that's that's okay. the decision on that one. Come over here, little
5: chump.
6: You're a piece of shit, bitch. You're a piece of shit, bitch. Charge that motherfucker.
2: Fuck you and your mama.
6: I think my client is a little overwrought, having been in custody, and, Fuck
7: uh... you, Yonnie stand there! fuck you!
0: The murder case is dragging through pretrial hearings. is a frequent miss-out. I never know if he'll even show up, or which router will show up. He can seem calm and lucid. Other times, he's out of it. He appears to be smiling or laughing, but I can never tell at who or at what. He stretches, pulls his cheek, Yawns. It's like watching someone watch a sitcom I can't see. Then, without warning, he'll erupt. His lawyer, a new one every several months, is, quote, a little punk ass motherfucker. And Rada wants to go pro per, represent himself. I've wondered a lot about his mental state and about his guilt. Could this person really have killed Tristan Baudet? What would have been his motivation? I've been sending Rado letters in jail, Googling every name I can find that connects to him, trying to find out as much as I can about this man who seems to have wanted so badly to disappear. And I keep coming back to the same questions. What kind of loner camps out in the hills behind the sheriff's station? And why would a hermit wander into a campground with a gun? I'm Dana Goodyear. And this is Lost Hills. Episode 5, Crazy Horse. All right, are we ready to do this? I'm just going to go for it. I'm standing outside a large complex of attached houses in the middle of the sprawling San Fernando Valley. I'm not too far from Malibu, just on the other side of the mountains, but it's a different world. Fast food places and low-slung housing, the stucco jungle. It's six o'clock at night, 95 degrees. I'm about to knock on the door to the unit where I think Lisa Rauta Cook lives. Lisa Rauta, as in Anthony's sister. Hello. Huh? Hi, are you Jerry?
3: No, hold on a second. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Actually, I'm trying to find Lisa.
3: Okay, one second. Thank you yeah. very
0: much. I know that Lisa is married to a man named Jerry Cook and they've lived at this address for quite some time. She has a good job at a bank. And I have a feeling that Anthony and Lisa are, or were, close. At one point, he carried around letters from Lisa in his backpack. I found that in some old court documents he filed, petitioning to get the letters back. That detail kills me. So here I am, knocking on her door. <laughs> Hello? Hi, are you Jerry? Yep, um,
6: please leave our property.
0: Okay, can I just tell you who
6: I am? Nope,
0: don't need to know. I've got Jerry Cook's number, so I try calling him from the car, just as a guy with a leaf blower walks by. Oh, hi, is this Jerry? Jerry, this is Dana Goodyear. I just was at your door. I'm really sorry to have disturbed you. I just, I'm, I'm trying to explain what I'm doing. I've been corresponding with Anthony. I've been talking to Oswald and... I'm trying to um, learn more about him and his background and his childhood, and that's why I'm trying to reach out to you and Lisa. Jerry is pretty down on the idea. But if Anthony wants him to talk to me, he will. I'll just need to get written permission, he says, from Anthony. That tells me something. Even if these people never show up in court or associate publicly with Rauta in any way, they're still supporting him but I'm just saying if Anthony tells me in writing, then I'll, I'll take a snapshot of that and, and text it to you at this number and then we can talk. They still care what he thinks. Okay, thank you very much. And Jerry tells me they all think this is a frame job. Ozzie, Anthony Rauta's dad, shows up for almost every hearing. I check his face for signs of fatigue. The days when his cheeks are sallow, he'll nod a quick hello, and then hurry off to work afterward. But when he's in a good mood, we talk for long stretches, and I ask him about the Anthony Rauda he knows, his kid, not the alleged Malibu killer. He tells me that Anthony was born at the big Kaiser Hospital in Hollywood. He grew up on the east side of Los Angeles, in Highland Park, before it was gentrified. Anthony's the youngest of three kids, Ozzie remembers him as shy and neat and meticulously clean. He didn't even get dirty playing baseball. He loved cats. These details are so undescriptive. I feel like I'm looking at the back of someone's minivan. Anthony, his parents, and siblings are like those stick figure drawings. Is Ozzie withholding, or does he just not know? It's almost like his youngest son barely registered for him. And none of it even begins to explain how Anthony finds himself in jail on murder charges. Ozzy says that he and Anthony's mom divorced in the late 80s. Then she moved the kids to Florida when Anthony was 10 or 12. At that point, Ozzy lost track of him completely. When Anthony showed up in LA again years later, Ozzy says he was different. Friendless, joyless, Sleepless, laughing weirdly all the time. His son, but not.
4: Hello, Dana. I'm writing in response to your letters. I would have written you earlier, but the jail staff has been sending back stamps, envelopes, etc.
0: In June 2019, I got my first letter from Anthony Rauta. He's careful, always playing close with information about his time in Malibu. But he's generous with itineraries, accounts of a vagabond life. It's kind of a Kerouac hobo tale in his telling.
4: About 20 years ago, I decided to leave my life due to threats on me and my family's life.
0: Rada's letters are being read by an actor. They've been lightly edited for clarity.
4: I packed a backpack with no money and I traveled on foot and car rides from Florida to Niagara Falls. After that, he's been I'm drifting
0: around for two decades, decades spending time with homeless and transient communities up and down the West Coast. Malibu and the nearby San Fernando Valley were a home base, the terrain he kept returning to.
4: I did this three times and got tired and decided to stop traveling and settle in Los Angeles. I did not want to work and could not adjust to a stable life, so I decided to be homeless. I spent many days and nights on beaches, mountains, etc. I have hiked parts of the Pacific Crest Trail, traveled to Texas and Arizona. I've been in various parts of the Santa Monica Mountains. In his
0: first letter, he also starts to tell me about his history with law enforcement. It goes back years. He has a special hatred for the Lost Hills cops.
4: I have a history of being assaulted by sheriff's deputies inside jail and by the Lost Hills Department. I've tried to sue the sheriffs. I have written internal affairs in the past, including the ACLU and Amnesty International, but no one helped or even investigated I wrote the county ombudsman many times. They usually investigated, but the officers protect each other with lies. They're lying now.
0: Over the course of nine months, I get a total of five letters. It's a bumpy correspondence. He accuses me of ignoring letters I never received, and letters of mine come back unopened. From the erratic rhythm, it seems like the sheriff's department is interfering with the mail. He says they're messing with him in other ways, too. He's outraged, for instance, that they put him in with the general population. His name and face have been all over the news as an attempted murderer of two little girls.
4: As far as treatment, they refused me a phone call at arrest and tried to question me after I asked for an attorney. They put me in general population after arrest even though my face was on television. Deputies tried to question me about my case They sent back mail with stamps and envelopes. They have refused me visits. They sometimes try to smut my name among the inmates. I don't want the wrong image to be conveyed to people that I am a monster benefiting from the hardship of the victims of the case.
0: He writes that he's being stonewalled and railroaded, maybe even by his own
4: lawyers. I have been wronged by the system and other people. I am not a violent person and I would never want to be known as someone who would hurt innocent people or children.
0: I try to draw him out on other subjects. Tell me about your art, I say. He often includes a sketch with his letters.
4: I have been writing and sketching since I was 11 or 12 years old and have been complimented over them since then. I've been interested in rap, hip-hop since my teens, and it was always a dream to make an album.
0: He cites his creative inspirations. Elvis, The Three Stooges, Tupac, Edgar Allan Poe. And now, me. He sends me a poem. It's called Lies. It's all about lies, lies surrounding him, pain killing him, living a lie for his enemies. One pair of lines sticks out quote, When I open my hands and see blood instead of sweat and dirt, that gets me thinking. It's not to be taken literal, he writes. He tells me he wanted to be a DJ. That didn't work out. Then he submitted a headshot to Central Casting in Burbank. He says he got cast in something, but the role was canceled.
4: That's as close as I came to success. I met Wilt Chamberlain as a kid and also Richard Pryor. In Canada, I did a little looking into the television industry there. Once, I tried to get to the set of Dark Angel just to see Jessica Alba but I don't think it was the right time. I didn't see anyone, the weird stuff I do.
0: He signed up for social security and got a driver's license. He rented a car and drove up to Big Bear and camped. He says he reads a lot of anarchist books, Illuminati conspiracies, handbooks for outdoor survival, manuals on how to disappear. He once made himself a fake press pass.
4: I could make birth certificate State ID, which led to the city news ID to convince someone I was who I was and maybe go to shows and concerts free.
8: His
0: life was lonely by design, especially in Malibu.
4: I've seen a lot of places. The Santa Monica Mountains are beautiful and I have a lot of pictures. The fog in the morning off Mulholland is very thick. At night, I would take pictures with my phone of the colorful flowers. Baby lizards used to crawl on me when I was sitting in the sun.
0: He did a lot of weird stuff on his own, tripping out in nature.
4: I did do some meditation, but not a lot. Once I think I had a vision, but I don't know. There were no drugs involved. I was trying astral projection at the time. It was not breathing exercises, but a total relaxation of the body. To me, it worked. I've never had a similar experience again.
0: Sometimes he was scared, like in the summer of 2018.
4: I heard a lot of gunshots around the time of the Beaudet killing. I thought I got shot at one night, but not sure if it was intentional. I just heard the bullets fly by.
0: That's interesting. He's claiming he was nearly a victim of the canyon shooter. Is this guy messing with me? Or is this some kind of clue into his psyche?
4: They closed down the park. I heard the sheriff's cruiser sirens a lot during the summer. It felt like I was being followed when I was hiking because i seen the same automobiles more than once. So I don't know. The family had a reward for information, yet no one had information leading to my arrest. Well, that's all for now. I hope I've given you some confidence in me and something to build on.
0: I don't know about confidence, but there's definitely a lot to build on in his letters. A timeline emerges, and with it, the beginnings of a narrative, a little flesh on the stick figure's bones. He dropped out of school in Tampa in 12th grade, and then spent a couple of months in the Army.
4: The Army turned into a bad experience. I joined to get away from personal matters, but when I got there for basic training, I could not leave my personal behind me, and I could not adjust mentally. I did complete basic training with good grades and returned back to Tampa Bay to worse problems.
0: So he hit the road. He didn't really work. The only thing he says he did was some kind of private eye work called skip tracing. Essentially looking for people who don't want to be found. I'm beginning to think he was his own hardest case. He left only the faintest impression on the world. That is, until Tristan Beaudet was killed.
4: I didn't meet a lot of people in the mountains, where I was arrested and definitely not in my spot."
0: "The p o boxes he lists as addresses on court documents? They don't exist, or there's no record that Rowder rented them. The library where he says he spent time? When I go there the librarians just look concerned and shake their heads."
4: "Where I got arrested there was no tent. I have not used tents in years. One, so I can travel any time lightly too, so I can learn to survive outdoors with as little as possible. As stated, I do not know everything that was there, as I traveled and hiked when I wanted. I was in that area less than a year.
0: The McDonald's, the grocery store, the other places with dumpsters he might have picked through, no one's seen him. No one except the owner of the sandwich shop, who swears Rada was hanging around last week. Only, he's been in jail for a year. In my letters, I plead with him to come up with just one name, a cousin, a teacher, a childhood friend. He does not comply.
4: My family has nothing to do with the crimes I'm charged with and know nothing of the things I do.
0: But he does give me permission to talk to his sister Lisa and her husband Jerry.
4: If you do not exploit them, I don't mind you talking to them if they want to talk to you.
0: But when I tell Jerry that, he declines the interview anyway. I find a page on Facebook devoted to the high school in Tampa that Rauta attended for a while in the 90s. Someone remembers him. It's a guy who says he was friends with Rauta in 8th, 9th, and 10th grade. I think I'm finally going to get it. That one story that crystallizes who Anthony Rauta is and makes sense of everything. So I'm all excited, and I ask Tony Tucker, the friend, if he has any strong memories of Rauda.
7: To be completely honest, I mean, I I, I, I really don't. Um, he was normal. Our group of friends were very much kind of the sports kids. We didn't mind getting dirty, so we were always there early in the morning playing basketball before the bell rang. And
0: Did he party? No. Have a girlfriend, a nickname, a hard time in school? Not really. No. No more than anyone else.
7: But he didn't, I mean, uh, seemed like a normal everyday kid to me.
0: Tony lost track of him, and he doesn't even really know why. Poof, whoosh, gone. One day after a hearing, Ozzie comes back to the office with me, and I walk him through some documents that have recently been unsealed. He promises me that next time he'll do the recorded interview. But that court date comes, and he ghosts me. A few days later, I open my last letter from Anthony Rowda.
4: I have returned from court and I wish to reply to your letter out of courtesy. I no longer trust talking to you or other media. I cannot condone or forgive you or anyone who personally tries to help law enforcement build a case against me or harass me. The letter is
0: short, just two pages. A bitter, self-pitying rant. I'm no help to him. Actually, probably the opposite. So he's not going to help me.
4: God. Is the best judge and my only friend. The only one I have to answer to.
0: Anthony Rauta is done telling me about himself.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. Visit betterhelp.com slash lost today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp. H E L P.com slash lost.
2: As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet?
0: Another way into the mind of Anthony Rowda is through his music. Rauda's cut an EP and two full-length albums. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. Search up his pen names, Crazy Horse and Crazy Horse Da One. That's crazy with a K. This is a song called Kill a Pig from his album the Great White Liar.
2: Get ready, get set, get going, let's go. Kill a fucking cop.
0: Get ready, get set, get going, let's go. Kill a fucking cop. Liars, sadists, pedophiles, motherfuckers. He's going to get them. With his nine millimeter,
5: up with my nine millimeter put the straight the and see them they go yeah. see that ice pump out head now they dead in the of blood to kill a cop must be the greatest feeling in the world I want to enjoy it over and over again Yeah.
0: to kill a cop must be the greatest feeling in the world I want to enjoy it over and over again on his album covers router draws a long-haired warrior with high cheekbones emaciated, almost skeletal. I'm guessing it's Rauta's idea of a Native American? He wears a headband that says, Crazy Horse, with a K. The original Crazy Horse, with a C, was an Oglala Lakota warrior. He painted his cheek with a lightning bolt and wore a hawk feather in his hair. People say that whenever someone asked to take his picture, Crazy Horse would respond, Would you imprison my shadow also? This is the song Fall Guy from Rauta's first album, Sometimes They Come Back, which he made in
2: 2013. As
0: best I can make out, the lyrics are paranoia, conspiracy theory, CIA, Manchurian candidacy, my anxiety, something, something, on database, satellite in space. Something, something. They want to make me the fall guy. Police are assholes. Then later, look at my middle finger. I'm the fall guy. Middle finger up in the sky. In one of his letters, Rada says he taught himself to use recording software and wrote both albums on a laptop. Each one took him about a month.
4: I used hotels and sometimes the library. Calabasas, and any mall with Wi-Fi and electrical outlets.
0: The themes of both albums center around police and harassment, drinking and getting fucked up, and violence. A fair amount of violence. Avenging himself on cops, women, and undefined others out to get him. He almost seems to be psyching himself up for a confrontation. His music hits on all the gangster rap cliches, but there's something else in there, too. A worldview. Maybe even a cosmology. This is the opening track from his album, The Great White Liar.
2: will the others in slavery and say freedom ain't free. Spark the hate that grows in me. I'm rooted in justice,
0: He's saying, I'm rooted in justice. I murdered the serpent. He grew wings like a phoenix. I shot him from the sky, pulled out his spine, his true fake mind, so he founded a nation built on lies. It's a glimpse into a chaotic mind, the mind of a paranoid, self-righteous, pissed-off mystic. I've been trying to find Rauda, trace his ghostly presence in the world. Didn't anyone know him? Hadn't anyone seen him? Thinking about the case, it occurs to me that there are some people around Malibu who do think they saw him, on security cameras, while he was allegedly committing armed burglaries. Which is how I find myself with Jim Corkus and Mike McNutt, who work for the local water district.
6: I'll give you my theory. That's Jim.
0: We're driving over to the Tapia Water Reclamation Facility. It's right next to Tapia Park, not far from where Jimmy Rogers was shot.
6: So I think he'd been living off the coolers in the campsite for all these years. And once he shot Tristan, they closed the park, and his basically his lunchbox was empty at that point because he had no source of food. And that's when he got desperate to look around.
0: It's here that... In the fall of 2018, a man in black was caught on camera in the middle of the night. What would you normally be looking at on these cameras?
8: Bobcat. Bobcat we, and Pumas. I will say that we did have, we did have a, uh, we do have another patrol in the area. We call it the Puma Patrol or P-54. So we had a mountain lion that was like hanging out and checking things out, tagged and everything like that. So. But P-54 is off on those evenings that he was here.
0: They tell me that strange things had been happening around the plant.
8: There had been other times where employees were noticing that some of their food is missing. And so a lot of the employees were just saying, oh, it's just somebody eating my, my lunch or whatever, right?
6: The first break in... He was pretty good, how he got in. It it was undetected, really. And so he got in, and he was, like, stealing chicken sandwiches. And everything he took was protein-based. One of the
8: other things that I was told that he was taking is stuff that he didn't need to cook. I know for sure one of his favorites was Jimmy Dean's breakfast sausage sandwiches.
0: They reviewed the footage from the security camera. And that's when they saw the man. He looked dressed for battle.
8: Yeah, so he had like, almost like black camo attire on and tactical gear, right?
1: His boots, you know, his pants were bloused in his boots. He had high, you know, boots that have you know, halfway up his calf.
0: This is Brett Dingman, a manager at the plant.
1: Uh, everything was black. He had a backpack. He had a, a what do you call it, a balakava, a mask. You know, he just looked like, almost like military. Jim
0: scrolls through his phone and finds the video. It shows a man with a headlamp stealthily making his way to the door of the plant. It's a creepy video, a few seconds that loop over and over, and it's totally captivating. If this is Rauta on the tape, it's the closest I will ever get to seeing him in his element. Rauta alone, in the night. Surrounded by woods. Scavenging, hunting, surviving. Rauta in the wild. Jim slows the video down, so I can clearly see something sticking out from behind the man.
6: So it was it was around slung around his waist here with the, the barrel pointing backwards. Okay. And you can see the it had a, a clip in it which it was a nine millimeter.
0: Everybody at the plant knew about the murder in the campground, and the news of the other shootings was spreading.
1: You start going, what's going on? Is there some nut with a gun out there? And we thought about that, but right about you know, soon after those reports came out is when the break-in happened here. And at first, like, oh, some guy broke in. And then we thought, whoa, he's dressed awful, awful strange for breaking in. And then you see the rifle, and you go, uh-oh, this might be the guy. And that was right then. That's when it clicked.
0: It clicked for law enforcement, too. Shortly after this footage was taken, the sheriff's department searched the hills and eventually found Rauda at his camp. That narrative, shootings to murder to break-ins to capture, it follows a certain kind of logic. But is it just me, or is there something contradictory about the idea of a person stealing food in the middle of the night, and also shooting people at random? It's a crime of survival versus totally gratuitous violence. Calculated opportunism right up against outright depravity.
3: Just go to Muzora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today.
0: Anthony Rauta's music is really visceral. Take Kill a Pig. It talks about wanting to creep up on him with a 9mm, put the heater straight to the dome see the cops' eyes pop out of his head, and watch him die in a pool of blood. It's strong stuff. You can't condemn someone on their lyrics, but I've got to wonder what was going on with Rauda and the cops. So, I turned to the court documents. Old cases with hundreds and hundreds of pages of handwritten filings by Anthony Rauda. He seems to prefer to represent himself. There are also many, many pages of case narratives, evidence logs, statements from law enforcement, witness testimony, a lot to wade through. I learned that Rauda's trouble with the law started in his teens, back when he was in Florida. But his problems really begin in the early 2000s when he started hanging out in and around Malibu. At first, it was pretty small time, unambitious. 2003. He breaks into a high school 10 miles from Malibu Creek State Park, just outside Lost Hills jurisdiction. He sets a fire. The break-in is a felony, and he gets 180 days in jail, three years probation, and counseling. He's ordered to pay $3,000 in restitution to the Coca-Cola Company, which sounds to me like he busted a vending machine. That reminds me of the burglaries he's charged with now that vending machine he allegedly smashed open with a rock. The next case is a bigger deal. This time, Roud is arrested during a warrant sweep at a sleazy motel in North Hollywood. In his motel room, the arresting officers notice a fuse, like for explosives, sticking out of his black backpack. The bomb squad searches Ozzie's house and the house in the valley where Anthony's sister Lisa and her husband Jerry live they find a bunch of contraband. Rauda, apparently, has ordered three shipments of gunpowder. One of the shipments is four pounds. They also confiscate two old-fashioned guns, a 44 black powder revolver and a 451 double double-barrel Derringer handgun. I have to dig into this a little more. Black powder guns? It seems like an odd choice for a guy with gangster rap aspirations. I call up Greg Block, a firearms trainer and expert witness, who testifies in court about guns all the time.
7: So these are guns that were used during the Civil War and the Revolution where we didn't have cartridge-firing guns.
0: They're muzzle loaders, which means you pour gunpowder directly into the gun's mouth, hence the four-plus pounds of it. They're basically what John Wilkes Booth used to assassinate President Lincoln. They're often referred to as antique guns, but really they're replicas of obsolete technology.
7: Well, you know, they make toy guns, they make prop guns, and then they have replicas, which are exact copies of the original firearms. Those are a couple hundred dollars.
0: I want to know who the audience is for weapons like these. Maybe it'll give me some insight into Rauta.
7: Well, people that feel that they were born in the wrong century. I mean, they will dress up in period costumes and they'll have competitions and matches and shoot this. Other people that like the Old West or the 1700s Because these replicas are so inexpensive, they'll buy them and we call them wall hangers. They'll hang them on the wall above the fireplace. They look kind of cool.
0: That doesn't really sound like Rauta to me. He wasn't decorating his fishing cabin or reenacting shootouts at the O.K. Corral. But Greg tells me there's another category of antique gun buyer. People who buy them because they're easier to get than other guns. That sounds like Rauta, a convicted felon, someone who couldn't pass a background check.
7: You can order them on the Internet, and they can ship them to your house because they're antique firearms.
0: The black powder guns, the explosives, and the fuse land right in prison. He paroles out, and in 2012, he gets arrested by a Lost Hills deputy in the parking lot of an upscale suburban mall. It's a DUI, which doesn't sound like that big a deal. But in the trunk of the car, there's a box of ammunition, the kind that fits an AR-15. I track down the deputy. I ask if he remembers Rauda. Oh, he remembers him. The guy threatened his life. Rauda represents himself in court and is sentenced to 16 months in county jail for the ammunition. He's supposed to complete an alcohol rehab program, but doesn't. When a judge later asks him about that, he says,
4: I'm going to go. I was making a date for my therapy.
0: This is from a court transcript.
4: I'm just going to go through counseling and try to get a residence and, you know, try to get my health better. That's really what I'm trying to do. I should have went to the classes, but they were a little rough for me. I can't stand being around people. I didn't tell you that last time because it's irrelevant. But, but basically, I'm going to try and do counseling and stay on SSI if they'll have me. Try to get a residence and get my health back up.
0: The incident that sends Rada back to prison in 2014 is a weird one. It takes place outside a high school, about a 10-minute drive from Malibu Creek State Park. A jogger sees someone passed out in the bushes by the school. It's Rauda, dressed head-to-toe in black. Inside his backpack, deputies find gloves, a camouflage mask, and a headlamp. There's a post-it containing bank account information and routing numbers. Also, some 44-ball ammunition and, wrapped in a bandana, a wood-handled black powder gun. What exactly was he up to? Was he planning burglaries? Identity theft? Dressing up as a bad guy for Halloween? He spends another two years in prison. And when he gets out, he makes a vow to change his life.
4: When I got released from prison in 2016, I made a promise to live without welfare, SSI, or handouts.
0: This is from one of Rauder's letters to me.
4: I wanted to do solely on my own knowledge of survival to prove something to myself and maybe write about it.
0: He says avoiding people, especially law enforcement, became his number one priority. In another letter, he wrote,
4: I worried every time I left the wilderness as the sheriffs would usually try to stop and question me and my being around such exclusive neighborhoods, I did not want to get questioned as to my probation When I was alone in the wilderness, I did not have a lot of contact with people, news, etc. I did not want any contact, and I do not enjoy any current television, movies, music, etc. The most important thing out there was to have shelter and a two-week weather forecast.
0: In October 2016, Rauta makes his last contact with his probation officer. And a couple weeks later, allegedly, he shoots Jimmy Rogers as he sleeps in a hammock In Malibu Creek State Park. The charges Route is facing now, murder and attempted murder, mark a break with everything I've learned about his criminal past. He's been troublesome, antisocial, volatile, messed up. He went down some creepy roads, got into some obscure weapons. He was potentially, but not actually violent. Shooting Jimmy Rogers is the first time that I know of that Raut has been accused of physically hurting a stranger out of the blue. The accusation is that he intended to kill Jimmy Rogers, and that after shooting him, he tried over and over to inflict deadly harm. And that in the case of Tristan Beaudet, he succeeded. It doesn't really make sense, does it? But reading back through Rauta's court filings, I realize there's an incident he refers to repeatedly with a lot of bitterness. He's been trying to get someone to pay attention to this for years. It was a run-in with some Lost Hills cops. Way back in 2004.
4: Lost Hills sheriff deputies responded to a public disturbance call at Padre's Restaurant at Agora Road and Cornell Road.
0: This is what Rauta says in a filing he made about the incident.
4: I was stopped on a dark street as a suspect, though I am innocent. When I attempted to plead with the deputy, others arrived surrounding me, while one higher-ranked deputy attempted to choke me till the arresting officer asked him to halt.
0: This could be the thing that propels the whole bizarre machinery of Rauta's criminal life, takes it to the next level. This incident, Rauda says, caused him to get a gun for self-protection against the Lost Hills cops. It might even explain how Rada got to be where he is right now, facing by far the most serious charges of his life. It's not a straight line by any stretch from that alleged assault to where he is today, but I can see a connection. It's like a process got set in motion, Rauda in trouble, Rauda uncooperative, imprisoned, hurt, deteriorating, and possibly wanting some kind of revenge. He isn't too good with authority, his dad told me, and his experiences in custody and in court It seems like they just drove the splinter deeper. Anthony Rauta didn't know Tristan Baudet or any of the near-miss victims. But everyone knows who would respond to a murder in the park. Are the Lost Hills cops somehow part of this? Could it, on some level, be about them? If only I could get inside Lost Hills Station, I could figure all this out. Lost Hills is written and hosted by me, Dana Goodyear. It's produced by Western Sound and Pushkin Industries. For more information about my investigation, follow at Lost Hills Pod on social media. Up next, Episode 6,
5: Another Day in Paradise. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you